Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 103, I think it is. Uh, today, I'm going to be talking about positivity, toxic positivity, and what you can do instead that's actually going to make you happy. Because I can tell you right now, as a th- I'm sure a lot of us already know, this whole toxic positivity of like, just be happy, think happy thoughts, just, you know, don't be negative, doesn't work, okay? It does not work. It's ridiculous. But on the flip side of that, I'm not saying that you've got to be all like really pessimistic and expect the worst. I'm going to talk about what the healthy option is to do and what's actually going to lead to true happiness and true self-love. Toxic positivity is not that. The idea of fake it till you make it might work in certain aspects of your life, but you can't fake happiness until you make it. You have to address what is going on in your mind. You've got to address what is happening in your life in order to grow from it, in order to not repeat these same issues, you putting a blanket over it and being like, be positive, absolutely is not going to work in the whole fake it till you make it. It does not work. Okay. So I'll be going into that and I'll be giving you alternative tools to use that actually do work. Um, yes. Now what else? That's about it. I'm recording this podcast earlier than I normally would. So by the time you guys hear this, I would have already had my stunning holiday on the Gold Coast. Uh, I'm actually recording this on the Friday, so I'm leaving this afternoon and I cannot wait. I'm staying with Lucy. She just bought this puppy Frenchie. I absolutely am just thrilled for everything. On Saturday, we have like our girls Christmas lunch. We do this every single year. It's with the girls that I used to work with at Red Bull. So we're kind of all scattered around now. We've got people in Brisbane, Gold Coast, Sydney, Melbourne. It's like a bit spread thin. But yes, we're going to get together. It's going to be so cute. I cannot wait. I absolutely cannot wait. So um, yeah, but that's already happened by the time you're listening to this. So good times, good times. Now, before we get into the topic of today, I do want to go into a bit of a brain fact. And what I wanted to discuss was, or to discuss, to tell you guys about, was the difference between sociopaths and psychopaths because there is a difference and even I for a very long time even though I had kind of studied it was a bit gray on the difference between the two there's a lot of similarities but there's also a few differences that can differentiate the two quite a bit now both sociopath and psychopath fall under the diagnosis antisocial personality disorder so APD in the DSM-5 I've mentioned this this to you guys before. The DSM-5 is just the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders and it's the fifth edition and that's where all the – it kind of lays out what the, what the symptoms are, what you need to look out for and the, there might be, for example, out of the eight – potential like presenting symptoms you've got to have at least five of these and then in another category one of these you know so that's kind of how they break down the diagnosis for all different kinds of mental disorders there's it's a huge handbook so both of them fall under antisocial personality disorder but it but they do differ a little bit so for example sociopaths are generally more impulsive in their actions and they're going to be quite irresponsible and think less about the consequences of their actions. And because of this, they're less likely to be able to hold down a stable job or they're going to be jumping from job to job and they also struggle to integrate well into society or into a community. So they're quite erratic. They struggle to settle down. They don't have problems moving around from place to place, not because they enjoy traveling and sightseeing, but because they just have to go to the next place where they can find something that works for them. Um, And they're also likely to do what is necessary to get what they want without feeling guilt 
or remorse whatsoever. So they will steal, they will cheat, they will lie, they will obviously, they can in some circumstances be violent or kill people, um, but absolutely not in every circumstance. It's actually not that common. Um, But the interesting thing to note is that sociopaths can, although it's very, very rare and, and very limited, they can form some attachment to people. So they might have one person that they're attached to that they can actually love and it might be quite dysfunctional, but it's possible for them to do that, okay? So, and another thing to think about with sociopaths is they're often, think about, when you think about con artists, you know, someone that can pull off a huge con and then they disappear, they're onto the next town, pulling off this con, disappear onto, because they're not really integrated into society. They're not really, they haven't really created a community around them. They don't stay in one job for too long. So they're the ones that like pull off a con, cut, take the money and go next place, next place, next place. That's kind of the idea when you look at like job wise, what a sociopath would do. Then we've got psychopaths, which are, again, a bit different. So psychopaths are more controlled in their actions. They're much better at integrating into society. They're a lot more calculated. They're not going to do these publicly outrageous things, whereas a sociopath would, and they would do it publicly, um, like, you know, act out or be, you know, um, quite like rebellious in the community. A sociopath wouldn't do that. And if, they, if whatever they do will be private, you know, and very subtle. So it's not obvious. It's like they have a double life. Okay. So they're not going to do these crazy outrageous things. Um, they really know how to blend in. They're very good actors. They know how to pretend. Okay. They're not, they've also quite smart or educated And they're really good at lasting in a job and climbing their way up to the top of that job very fast. They often have jobs of authority or jobs with a lot of respect. So the jobs are, and I think we've all heard of this, that psychopaths are really good CEOs, but it's common that a a psychopath will be in a CEO position. But also they can be uh, surgeons, they can be chefs and lawyers, you know, so these where they're kind of in charge of people or where they're in a position of some sort of power as well. Um, They do have this need to control people around them and manipulate them, but they're not all violent or physically aggressive. I think there's this notion that psychopaths are all violent serial killers and that's not the case. A serial killer is likely a psychopath for sure because of this lack of remorse, lack of empathy, but that's, you know, just a small percentage of psychopaths. And so psychopaths make up 1% of the population and sociopaths, it's more like 4% of the population, which sounds like a little bit, but it's actually not that small if you think about it. That's still like millions of people in the world that are like this, okay? Now with psychopaths, unlike sociopaths, they cannot form real emotional attachments. They do understand how emotional attachments look like or what they should be like. So they know how to assimilate and blend in and do all the things that someone would do to charm someone or to fall in love with someone and be in that relationship. But ultimately, they don't actually form that that connection. They don't fall in love. They don't really care for their friends or family. They don't have empathy. They have no remorse. Whereas the sociopath can, while it's weak and limited, they can form an attachment to somebody. So how does it begin? How does it happen when you're looking at developmental you know, the developmental trajectory of both of these? Sociopaths 
is more believed to come from childhood abuse and childhood trauma. How that child has been raised, were they neglected, were they abused, did they jump from home to home, did they have no no one looking out for them, no one looking after them, no one making sure that they got home that night, were they mixing with really rebellious groups at a very young age. So it's, it's a learnt behavior or not even behavior, but it's kind of like learnt and trained in them from a young age and that's how their brain then develops to then behave in this way, to react in this way. And that's why sociopaths are in a in a dysfunctional way able to form limited attachments with some people. That's why it is possible with these people. So when you look at the whole internal working model that I've spoken about a lot, attachment theory, all of that, it shows you how their brain kind of gets wired and how they perceive people around them to be and what the world to be like and all of that. And it starts off as being diagnosed, not always, you might not get the diagnosis, but definitely presents as them having a conduct disorder or being um, labelled as callous unemotional, which is another thing that that um, a child or someone under the age of 18 can be labelled as callous unemotional or conduct disorder and that can lead into psychopathy or sociopathy or antisocial personality disorder. So psychopaths, however, it's believed to be genetic. It's a defect in certain parts of the brain where activity in certain areas of the brain is diminished. So the areas that normally take care of morality and empathy and impulse control are just not not operating the way that it would in somebody that is not a psychopath. Now, the clinical disorder, like I said before, is called antisocial personality disorder, but it can only be diagnosed at 18. You can't be diagnosed with antisocial personality disorder before 18. So you're probably, if you are showing signs of that, you've probably got conduct disorder. Um, they must be showing signs of conduct disorder before the age of 15. So it's, it's kind of like you see this trajectory um, and they must show a pervasive pattern of disregard. Wait, I'm sorry, I'm just reading this last bit out. They must show a pervasive pattern of disregard for violation of the rights of others occurring since the age of 15. And additionally, all these behaviours that they're presenting with can't be related to schizophrenia or bipolar disorder. So if they do have schizophrenia or bipolar disorder, it might account for some of the behaviours and it might explain. And if you were to treat the schizophrenia and the bipolar, then they might no longer present in that way. So that's why you've got to look at the comorbidities and make sure that it's not, these behaviors are not due to something else. So yes, I just thought I'd do a quick, a quick kind of um, insight into the differences between the two. Uh, I thought it was really interesting and it's good to know because I think we always hear both terms and sometimes they're used interchangeably, which, which in a way can be for certain things, but for other things it is different, but they do both fall under that antisocial personality disorder umbrella. Very interesting. Anyway, let's get on to the topic of today, which is all about toxic positivity. Okay, so firstly, what is toxic positivity? And I was looking up a few definitions and this is kind of the one that kind of wrapped it up in a really good way. It's the push for a mental state in which we only experience and show positive emotions. It's a tendency to react to others' suffering and struggles with reductive statements of positivity. So basically, it's not being able to feel or not being given the opportunity to have your feelings validated when someone is... is being like toxically positive. It's this idea of people brushing things off with 
you know, okay, there's two sides of it. You've got the one side which people are constantly like, be happy and think positive thoughts and whatever. It's kind of like telling you to do something without giving you a how-to to to do it. It's like saying, drive a car to somebody who's never fucking driven a car, someone sitting in the driver's seat about to learn and to teach them, you just say, just drive, just drive. That's kind of what toxic positivity is. It's telling you to do something without actually helping you with the means or the tools to get there. So it's pretty much like shutting someone down and quite frustrating as well. For somebody on the receiving end of toxic positivity, it's very it's very much where you're not feeling validated and in a way where you're made to be like, I kind of don't want to listen to what's going on. You, you know, your feelings, that they're not my problem. That's not my problem. Just be positive. Everything's going to help if you just be positive, okay? So it's when someone's trying to shut down what you're expressing only for it to be replaced with these kind of redundant statements and it's making you feel like you're just not heard, okay? It's also a feeling that you've also got to put across this positive demeanor at all times in order to do well in life or in order for people to think that you're doing well or for people to accept you. It's a. Re- it's also the biggest thing is toxic positivity is a rejection of the facts that are right in front of them. It's basically not wanting to see things as they are. And I think that it originally does stem from a good place. Obviously, it's people trying to help but I think it comes from this like misinformed place where I think people think okay if you're happy then your problems will go away but you can only really get to that happy place when you know how to address your problems when you know how to deal with the good and the bad that comes in life and do something about it when it when it when you learn how to overcome something, when you learn how to help somebody, when you understand what a struggle is and how to work through it so you're not repeating those same struggles in your life, that is where happiness comes from. And so I think this toxic positivity, they're bypassing the work that it takes to actually be happy and they're saying, be happy, avoid doing all that work and be happy, but you can't actually get to that place unless you learn how to deal with everything that life throws at you because the truth is that life is filled with positive and negative, okay? It's it's a spectrum of every emotion that you're going to feel and part of being human, part of existing, part of experiencing the the whole journey of life is going through all the emotions and learning how to process them, learning how to deal with them, and then learning how to kind of grow from all of that. If you then sweep it under the rug and just try and bypass that to be happy, you're never going to get there. You're actually suppressing, suppressing, suppressing. And a lot of the time, a lot of the people that are that have this toxic positivity probably have the most underlying anxiety or depression, okay? They're just like shoving it down, shoving it down. Be happy, be happy, be happy. Fake it till you make it. And like I said before, it's just absolutely not possible when it comes to happiness to fake it till you make it. That's where a lot of issues arise because people aren't addressing the problem. I think it also comes from this confusion of – so there's that whole, you know, all that information that, and I talk about it too, where it's the idea that positivity attracts positivity, energy flows where attention goes, like attracts like, you are what you think, all of that. So I think people have looked at that and thought, okay, if that's the case, if I just think be positive, be positive, be positive, then it's going to work. So I do believe that it comes from a good place. Obviously, people aren't sitting here being like, let's fuck everyone up by telling them to be positive every day. That's obviously not the case. 
But with that, it's kind of evolved into something that's just not working for people and it's not working for the people that are that way and it's not working for people on the receiving end of someone who's toxically positive, okay? And the sad thing is when people are this way trying to cheer you up, they're, they're essentially just missing the mark big time and they're not connecting with you on a level that might actually help you process what is happening. So some examples or common phrases would be things like, just be positive when you're stressing about something bad that might happen. Like say you've been put on a warning and you might lose your job and there's shit that you've got to process and someone's like, just be positive, just be positive. That's not actually fucking helping the situation. What you should be doing in that moment is breaking down what is in your control, what is not in your control, looking at what can be done, looking at what is available in this moment to change the outcome. If you just sit there and be positive, you're not doing anything to change the outcome and it's actually making the situation worse for you because it's probably going to get a lot of, it's going to build up anxiety within you. It's when someone says to you, you'll get over it when you've just had your heart broken. It's like that doesn't help. You know, what would help would be to be sitting there and saying, I'm here for you. Talk to me. How are you feeling? So that person can get something off their chest so they at least feel heard. You're literally shutting them down saying like, no, 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 no. Don't talk about this awful thing that just happened to you. You'll get over it. It's Another one is when someone says, smile, you look stressed, just smile. In other words, I don't want to be burdened by your low mood, so smile, even though you're going through a lot and a fucking smile isn't going to change the situation right now. Another one is when someone says, don't think like that, when you're voicing a legitimate fear or a legitimate concern or when you've been burnt by something in the past and you fear that it's going to happen again, like being cheated on or failing at something or something just going terribly wrong and you're voicing this fear that it might happen again and people are like, don't think like that, don't think like that, without actually giving you a strategy to think in another way. It's just, no, shut it down, but I'm not actually here to help you change your thought pattern. It's also when people say, just think happy thoughts when you're going through a rough personal time in your health, like you've just been diagnosed with something and they're like, just be positive, just be positive. When you're like, cunt, I'm the one who's just received this diagnosis. How the fuck am I going to be positive right now? I need to process this, right? It's when people say to you, it's just a phase, push through it, or just the the blatant, don't fo- focus on the negative, focus on the positive, okay? So it's obviously extremely frustrating if any of you, I'm, I'm sure most of us have been on that receiving end, but a lot of us have been on the receiving end and hate it, but then still dish it out to other people. So it's important that we pay attention to when we're doing that to other people and to stop doing that. And the sad thing is that we, people, society, humans, are being conditioned that we've got to be positive all the time in order to be happy. And it's just not the case. And it's also not possible to be positive all the time because life is not that way. We are feeling beings. We are emotional creatures that have to feel every emotion on the spectrum. And it doesn't mean that if you're feeling low or stressed or anxious, that you're suddenly depressed or you have an anxiety disorder. It might for some people, but for most people, that's not the case. But you still feel these feelings. And we have to understand that it's perfectly normal and healthy to be feeling those feelings at times, especially when it's relevant, because feelings and emotions are indicators. They are alarm bells for us. If you suppress and you think I've got to be positive all the time, no matter what, then you're actually shoving down things that you should be addressing and you should be feeling. It's not a bad thing. And don't make other people feel that they can't express their fears, their concerns, their depression or their anxiety. Okay. You have to create a safe space for yourself 
and also for others to feel these feelings. Now, it's very different to being someone or hanging around with someone who's toxic, who's always trying to bring you down or people who never try and grow and learn from situations, staying in a downward spiral. Okay, that's obviously very different. I'm talking about people that are just going through something in that moment and then being shut down for feeling the way that they're feeling. And I get asked quite often, I get DM'd this all the time, and it kind of is concerning where people say something along the lines of, how do I be more positive when everything is going wrong or when nothing's going right for me? And that's the problem there. Like these poor people are going through something and they're thinking, how do I just be positive? And that's probably not your priority in that time, but people are feeling, I've got to be positive all the time in order to be normal. But it's not the case. You don't. My answer to that question, to the question of how do I be more positive when everything's gone wrong is don't. You want to aim to get to a more neutral state. Sometimes a positive mood or a positive thought is not really accessible in that moment, especially a positive thought that's strong enough to change your overall mood for the day. Sometimes it's just not possible. So trying to be positive in that point where you are is probably going to cause you more pain and more anxiety because everything that you're feeling is probably legitimate and it's for a reason. So then you're thinking, I'm trying to shut this pain down by quickly replacing it with this positive thought and it feels so out of reach that now I feel even more desperate. Now I feel even more of a failure and that something is wrong with me because I just can't access those feelings. So my answer to that is in that moment, don't feel that you have to feel positive. You want to neutralize the extreme pain that you're feeling in that time. You want to be addressing it. You want to be cracking it apart and thinking, okay, let's look at exactly what's causing this pain right now. Let's isolate this. Let's look at what is in my control and what's not in my control. Let's just breathe through it. Let's give myself a day or a few days to really process it. If I need to cry, let's cry. Let's just take a breath and pause and feel what I should be feeling in this moment. When you do that, You become a lot more self-aware. You become aware of what you need in that moment. You become aware of when you need to take a step back or take a break or maybe not socialize or just connect with this one person that you feel will hear you out. You're going to be so much more in tune with what you and your body needs in that moment. So you're more likely to reach out to the helpful resources that are going to make a difference in that time. Sitting at home thinking, think positive thoughts, be happy, be happy, only focus on the positive is not helping the situation in that moment. And I've talked, I've spoken about this before. It's like this ladder to get to where you are. So say, and it's the ladder is the analogy. Okay. Say you're at the bottom rung feeling highly anxious and blissful joy and happiness is at the top rung. When you look at a ladder, it's not possible for you to jump up to that top rung. You have to go up that, the rungs of that ladder to get to the top. And the emotions are very similar to that. You want to reach for the next level that feels a little bit better than where you are. So if you're feeling hopeless, you might want to reach for anger. So you can at least express how you're feeling towards something that happened to you. And anger, while it's not great to stay in anger forever, anger can actually feel a little bit more empowering and it can get you in a place where you're voicing your opinions a little bit better. And when you start to to really feel like, okay, someone just cheated on me, for example, I feel so fucking hopeless, I feel terrible. Switch it to like, okay, what can I be passionately you know, 
sure about in this moment. Maybe it could be like, well, I'm fucking pissed off now that you put me in this situation where I was feeling a certain way and you lied to me all this time. Now you're angry. Now you can do something about it. Now you're like, okay, I'm a bit more fired up. I feel angry, but I feel a little bit more empowered. I can own my emotions right now. And then from anger, you can go into the next step, which might be frustration or it might be annoyed. So it's not as intense. You're just more annoyed. And then from there, you can neutralize those sorts thoughts. So they're not so negative and think, okay, what can I actually do about it? Then you go into this like brainstorming phase. And so there's all these steps in that ladder. And then you start feeling a little bit more empowered. You start taking more action. You start being able to identify certain things about your behavior or behaviors that were done to you. You start to eliminate what's not working for you. You start to grow, evolve, change. And through the journey and because of the journey, not independent of it, but because of the journey, you can reach a happier state, a much happier state where you connect with yourself more, you have more self-love, more self-respect because you've gone through adversity and you've come out the other side. You've gone through the shit, you've gone through the trenches and then you can still come out the other side and be like, I did that, I worked through it, it wasn't a great time at the time but now here I am and I can look back and be quite proud of myself. When someone is like this, this toxic positivity, it's ultimately the denial and avoidance of pain, discomfort and suffering. It's the, I don't want to hear about it. I don't have the capacity to be there for you slash I don't have the capacity to help you in this situation. I don't want you to bring me down with this. I don't want to feel responsible for your emotions at this point. I don't want to be the one that has to make you feel good. Okay, so it's that idea of like, shut it down and just be happy. Shut it down. No, 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 shut it down. You shouldn't be feeling those feelings. You should be made to feel um, wrong for feeling those feelings. So just be positive. And people that say that they can only ever be positive, I only want to be in positive situations, are likely not really 100% happy. If someone has to only ever be surrounded by happy people and happy events and don't come to me with that hectic story, then they themselves are avoiding reality. And they're probably the ones who need to do something about it. And they're probably the ones that are brushing a lot of their own personal things under the rug and avoiding it. And additionally, because of that, they end up pushing people away. Because if you're saying, I can only be happy if everything around me is happy, all the people are happy, all the situations are happy, don't talk negative things, don't talk negative things, then you're kind of stuck in, you're kind of a victim of your own situation because there's so much in life that you can't control. And if you're someone who can only be surrounded by good, happy things, then you're setting yourself up for disappointment. You're setting yourself up to be somebody that cannot deal with something when it goes bad, when when something goes terrible, or when someone you care about is going through something awful and you just avoid, block, avoid, uh, no, no, can't, 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 and you just leave. So then you're no longer someone that someone can connect with about a problem, an issue, something, a tragedy that's happening in their life. And yes, it is true that at times in the height of your pain or depression or anxiety, there are moments that can help break the circuit of pain, but it's not going to address the underlying issue. For example, if you're going through a breakup and then something really funny happens, you might have this moment where you're laughing hysterically and it's really funny and you, you, you kind of relieve from your pain for a moment, but that's still not, not addressing and working through the underlying problem of the heartbreak. You're still not dealing with it. So it's this idea that people think, yeah, but you can be happy, you can switch and you can laugh. True, there are circuit breakers that can break you out of it momentarily here and there. 
But you can't rely on that to be what gets you out of that awful situation. You've got to focus on doing the work on yourself, okay? This distraction culture is not actually good. This idea of like, oh, you've been broken up with, go on all these dates, go on all these dates. What if you don't want to? What if you need to sit and process and be sad? You've got to let people feel things. You know, it is a given a human right to be allowed to feel what you need to feel, okay? And it's not like feel it and then spiral down and feel awful. No, but it's when something is there, you need to look at it. You need to you know, open it out on the table and understand what it is that you're going through. And if someone is brought up where you don't talk about your emotions, you don't talk about when you're sad, if you're sad, oh, brush it off, no, 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 no one cries here, we don't cry in this household, we don't, what are you teaching that child? You're not teaching that child to learn how to be instantly happy when something goes wrong. You're teaching that child, you do not talk about your emotions, you do not talk about your pain, you don't cry when something goes wrong, you bottle it up, bottle it up, quick, 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 bottle it up brush it under the rug, go on, quick, 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 smile, smile. Okay, good, you're smiling. I only want to see you smile. Good. And then you fucking walk away. And then that person's like (laughs) trembling, being like, I'm fucking in so much pain, but I've got to put on a smile because I wasn't given a safe space to cry. So then they carry that and that learnt behaviour of brush it, brush it, don't express your feelings, don't upset the people around you, and then they carry that through their teenagers into adulthood and that turns into toxic relationships where you're bottling it up, bottling it up, never opening up to the people around you about how you feel, you're never expressing things in a relationship and then you explode, you snap, You people have affairs, people do all these things because they've bottled it all up, you can't express emotions. Smile, okay, yep, okay, mummy and daddy want to see you smile, oh good, you're smiling. No, if a child is crying, if your partner is crying, if your friend is crying, don't make them stop crying. That is your, that is your alarm bell to be like, this person needs me. Even if, if I have nothing to say, they just want me to be there, to hug them or to say, I don't know what to say right now, but I'm listening. Talk to me. Tell me how you're feeling. That is what people are screaming for in society, in the world. And they need it. And you have to provide that space that space for them. And people have to provide that for you. And I do believe that there's this, a lot of toxic positivity is linked to kind of the, stigmati- the stigmatizing of depression and anxiety and like mental health disorders. You know, people don't really want to talk about it because they feel that something is wrong with them. And they feel that those people that are always positive and happy, they're living the correct way and they are flawed or they're broken or something's wrong with them when that's just not the case. Everyone goes through, you know, their battles. And mental states are not just this flippant thing that can be dismissed, like, oh, it's fine. You know, people look at mental, like anxiety or depression as something that can, oh, just switch it off. If you were to like snap your ankle, I wouldn't say, just walk on it, be positive. No, you would address the issue. I'd help my friend where I could. I'd give them ice. I'd give them a ride to the doctors or help them adjust while they're healing from their snapped ankle. I certainly wouldn't dismiss their concerns for their shattered ankle and be like, I'll just be positive. But people do that with mental health problems. They just brush it under the rug. But if you looked at a mental health thing like a snapped ankle that needs to be addressed, looked at, mended, and then rehabbed, then things would be so much different. You wouldn't look at mental health as like, oh, brush it over. It's like, okay, you've got this problem. Let's do something about it. Let's talk about it. Let's get you help if you need help. Let's X, Y, Z. 
okay? But with mental health, there's such a stigma. And I believe that there's such a stigma with mental health because our personality comes from the same place, which is our mind. So mental health, all of that, that comes from the mind and so does our personality. So we attach so much of our identity and our sense of self to it that we take things so deeply and so personally. So when something goes wrong with your mental health, you think something is wrong with you. But when something goes wrong with your ankle or another part of your body, you don't necessarily think that something is wrong with you and you're less of a person and people don't want to hang around you. But we feel that way with mental health. We need to find a way of not attaching who we are and our importance as a person to our mental health. And that's going to go a really long way in not stigmatizing it as being a bad thing or you're a flawed person. And the best way to do that is to make it acceptable for people to open up and talk about it when things aren't going well. And when you do that, you then allow for someone to address it way earlier on in life before it actually becomes this massive thing, this elephant in the room that they feel that they absolutely can't talk about because it's just going to be an avalanche of emotions if they do open up. If we understood what early markers are for people needing help, then we could intercept these things and these feelings a lot earlier and give coping mechanisms to people so much earlier. And the first thing is literally just talking about it, making someone feel heard with, without judgment, making someone feel like it's totally fine to talk about the fact that you're feeling depressed right now or anxious. That's fine. Let's let's talk about it. Let's Let's work through it together. You've got this support. I'm here when you need me. And then that person's going to feel a lot freer to talk about these things and talk about their ups and downs and to get help when they're working through something that they can't do alone. They're less likely to have this thing sort of bubble under the surface, brewing, brewing, brewing into this massive thing. There is a window that people have to learn how to open up. For many people, it's in childhood. And for many, it's within their friends and families as adults, where they have an opportunity to learn how to comfortably open up to people and for for them not to be shut down. And the problem is when someone does open up and everyone is used to everyone saying, oh, it's fine, it's fine, just be positive, it's okay, think positive, then that person just thinks, okay, well, if I can't be positive right now, then what the fuck do I do? Everyone else seems to be positive around me, even if they're not, they're just probably lying as well. They feel kind of lost. And then another thing where people say is maybe you should get help, which is fine to offer that. But sometimes the help that they're trying to get is just talking to somebody. And if you shut them down being like, just be positive. If you can't go get help, they get, they're trying to get help from you but you might just not be prepared to listen to them or other people might not be prepared to listen to them or people might not be prepared to listen to you when you're trying to get that help. So don't think that if someone isn't listening to you, then something's wrong and you immediately have to go get help. However, having said that, I'm all for seeking professional help and talking to people because that is a sure way to get someone to talk about something, to address a problem, to help you deal with coping mechanisms. But if someone is shutting you down, then maybe start to either talk to them about it or find people in your circles who are willing to listen. Sometimes it's not even your best friends and your family. Sometimes you might find that the person who's the best listener because they're not shutting you down and blocking you is just 
a friend who might not even be your best friend that you say all the time, but they're just so great to talk to because they just accept what you have to say and they listen and they don't judge or shut you down or whatever. Those are the people that you should turn to more often because it's not toxic positivity. They're not telling you to be happy when you're physically right now don't feel that it's possible for you. So what can you do about it? Firstly, don't confuse distractions for inner happiness. A lot of people think if I distract, distract, and I'm in a good mood now, that's how to achieve happiness by constantly, like every time I think of something bad, oh, think of something good, oh, good, no, no, no. That, don't confuse that. Distractions are good in the moment to kind of, you know, you could be working on, on trying to get over a heartbreak or trying to get over a tragedy. And there are moments that lift your mood to kind of switch off and that's fine. And that's actually sometimes good to lighten the load of you you know, occasionally a couple of times a day, of course, there's nothing wrong with that. And it's actually a good circuit breaker to get, to relieve your mind. But don't think that you want to be distracting yourself 24-7 because if you do that, then you might not even learn a lesson that you could have learned or gained some tools for the next time that this happens to you where you can grow from it and you can be more equipped to deal with something like that next time, okay? The happiest people still go through ups and downs. The way to deal with setbacks and pain is going to be different for everybody, but you do need to look at it and address it. And it's important that you can feel validated by you, of course, but also by other people for understanding, like to understand what it is that you're going through, to feel the feelings and to experience them. You've got to understand what is and isn't in your control. Go through the motions, get rid of things that, that continue to hurt you. Work on rebuilding through those hard times to gain things that are going to better serve you, whether it be people, jobs, or habits. It's like cutting the dead weight, getting rid of toxic people. You can't do any of that if you're blocking it with like, just be positive. A lot of people will block the ability to cut out toxic people and to be like, I won't be treated like that anymore because they're busy just saying, just be positive, be positive. So they go through life in uncomfortable situations with fucked up people while they're just trying to be positive through it all. It doesn't work that way. It's good to have a negative emotion because it makes you realize what you don't want in your life. Okay, so look at those emotions and use them as red flags or alarms so you can take action on them, even if it's not easy or pleasant to do it. You've got to embrace this constant evolution of the self, of, of you as a human. At times it's unpleasant, it's boring, it's painful, and sometimes it's fun. Okay, the joy of life is going to be found in those moments of growth and deeper connections to others and deeper connections to your purpose, not through needing to wake up happy every single day. That's not what's going to make you ultimately happy with a lot of self-love. Don't think that, oh, I don't wake up every day ecstatic. Some mornings, yes, some mornings, no. That's life. That's not a bad thing. Your true happiness comes through growth, connection, and purpose. Denying pain is not healthy. Pain is a part of life. It's actually going to make it worse for you. So you have to accept pain with open arms and you have to allow yourself to grieve. You have to allow yourself to go through those emotions, okay? It's like, and I've used this analogy before, it's like a sneeze, you know? If you're trying to hold back a sneeze, it ends up consuming you. You can't listen to what, what anyone is saying to you. You can't pay attention to anything. You can't focus. You're like, hold it back, hold it back, hold it back. And you're just not living your life in those moments where you're trying to hold back a sneeze. If you were to just sneeze, you're like, okay, that was intense. Great. Got that out of my system. Now I can be present again. The same goes for crying. If you're trying to hold back tears, 
it can be exhausting and you're not paying attention to anything. It's, it's consuming your day. Sometimes what you need to do is cry, let it out, get back to a baseline, take a big breath. Okay, I had the cry. I felt what I needed to feel. Now I'm feeling these feelings. I'm paying attention to what's going on for me and now I can like regroup and then focus on what I need to do now and focus on my day. And it's those little baby steps of growth, of doing something for your day, doing something for your future self, doing something for the people around you. That is what's going to make you ultimately happy. Toxic positivity is what keeps people operating at the surface level. They don't get the deeper connection and they don't get the growth. And it's infuriating when you're trying to open up to someone and they just shut it down with, don't think like that. It's like, fuck off. Why did I even come and talk to you? I'm here boiling, about to explode. I need to let off some steam. I need to talk to someone. And you're literally just telling me in the height of my frustration to calm down. Or you're telling me in the height of my frustration to smile, like fuck off. And we've all been there and it's so annoying. So you've got to get, and if your partner does this, when you're calm, sit them down and say, look, I feel that we would be a lot closer if when I needed to vent to you, you just listened to me. Even if you've got all the solutions, just hold back on your solutions for now. Hear me out until I've said everything. Sometimes for me, the best therapy is getting it off my chest and just telling it to someone I trust. And you are the person I trust. You are the person that I want to tell this to because I know that you accept me for who I am and I feel like this is a safe space. So in future, I would love it if you could just listen to me, be there for me, hug me when I need it. And then when, once I've said it all, we can work through solutions together. Can you do that for me? That's what you do with your partner. You talk about it. Sometimes they don't know. Sometimes they've been raised to just be like positive, positive, don't talk about your bad, the bad things in life. That's fine. You might be giving them a beautiful opportunity for them to be open, open up and, and to be able to vent. And if your partner never does that, maybe they think that they can't. So you always need to always touch base and talk with your partner. Even when things are good, you don't have to wait for things to blow up and explode to raise it with them. You could be out for a nice dinner and say, hey, I feel like something that could make us closer would be dot, dot, dot. You know, that's where beautiful relationships are formed. Not this, oh my God, we're so happy, happy photo, happy photo. But you're never talking about the deep shit in life. True joy in a relationship is where you can be there for each other no matter what. When you know that that person at home is the one that can, that can be there for you in the, during the highs but also during the lows and they will ride that wave with you. They will guide you through it and you can do that for them. It's the best thing ever that you look at the best friendships that you have in your life and those friends are the ones that are fucking there for you when shit hits the fan. Not the ones where you're always only having good times. Like, yeah, Fair weather friends are always fun. Don't cut them out. But the ones that you love the most are guaranteed the ones that are going to be there for you no matter what. That is what I'm talking about here. And the ones that are always shutting you down, this and that, they're probably the toxic positivity ones that don't want to hear about it when shit hits the fan. So instead, what I'd like you to do, instead of trying to be positive all the time, you want to aim for long-term happiness. So instead of short-term positivity, positive feelings, aim for long-term happiness. So what you want to be doing is you want to minimize unnecessary suffering or toxicity, which is cut out high-stress things, high-stress jobs, even if it means a little bit more money. It's not worth it, okay? Um, go listen to my, my podcast on stress and that will make a lot of sense of why you need to cut that shit out of your life. Um, cutting out toxic people, toxic, you know, the, these, you know, orbital ghosters and toxic partners, get rid then you want to learn on, on how to work on addressing issues 
um, and addressing problems at their core and being honest with those people around you and honest with your own problems, even if it represents discomfort. You want to stop associating discomfort with negativity or with the fact that something is wrong with you. You've got to realize that that is a part of life and the fact that you're feeling it is you living your life and everyone goes through it. You've got to accept that the negative in your life and in that moment seeing what can be done, if anything, and when something can't be done, learn to accept the moments of powerlessness that you have in your life. Learn to accept where you have no power and where you have to just accept things for as they are. Acceptance of situations in your life, when you truly can accept it, goes a long way in teaching you how to be happy with what you have and with who you are in life. Just accepting what is in the moment. Go read Eckhart Tolle's books, fucking phenomenal about accepting the now and what is. Grieve and cry when necessary. Let yourself be heard by you and by other people around you. Ask for help and so important, offer help. Offer help. I've had times with friends where I'm always there when they're anxious and because I'm normally like, yes, I'm upbeat, yes, I'm this, yes, I'm that, but of course I have my meltdowns too and when I've needed to open up, I've noticed, you know, the friends that I'm there for aren't there for me because they're just not used to it. So I've asked for it. I've said, I need you to be here for me. I know I don't normally ask for this so it might be weird, but be there for me. And they've responded instantly and turned around and be, it's okay to ask. It's okay to pull someone up and saying, you're actually not supporting me right now. I need you to support me. And a good friend will turn around and say, I'm so sorry, you're right. How can I support you right now? And your answer might just be, just listen to me. Listen to me. Just, just hear me vent. Just be a shoulder to cry on. That's what I need. Just, just come over and sit with me. Just, just let's rent a movie and just order a pizza and just sit together because I'm just struggling right now. That's what you need to do with your friends. And a good friend will be there in a heartbeat. A good friend won't be insulted or offended that you said to them, I just don't feel supported by you right now. They will step the fuck up. And if they don't, then you need to seek other people who are going to be there through the hard times for you. Separate to all of that, you don't want to deny someone their right to feel pain or to feel heartbreak. Don't shut them down during, during them, their moments. Let them feel it. It's their right to feel it and they need to feel it in order to heal. Don't push someone away for being too, quote unquote, too in touch with their emotions. Let them be, okay? Don't cut short a connection you have with someone when the opportunity to be present with them and to offer help is there. That's what creates true joy in your life, connections. And connections are formed through the whole, you know, the, the, the ebbs and flows of emotions in life. It's not just being happy together. It's through everything. It's understand where the line is between helping someone in their moment of need versus someone who's dragging you down all the time. And in order to understand that, go back and listen to my podcast about toxic people. There's a huge difference. And, you, and when you re- listen to those podcasts, you'll understand the difference of someone who's just dragging you down into the mud with them versus someone who's crying for help. Huge difference. Um... And lastly, I want you to understand that you can take time off from being there for somebody. You might have somebody in your life who's always needing support, who's always needing help. And then there might be a time where you yourself are going through something and you don't have the capacity to be there for them. That is okay. You don't always have to be there for people. Just don't shut them down and say, just be positive. Don't think about it. Be happy. Just don't do that. You can say, I really want to be there for you right now, but I'm going through a lot right now. And right now I don't have the capacity to be there for you because I need to be supported right now. 
that's what you do. And then you you say like, can you? Is there someone else you can speak to about this? I need to speak to somebody as well. I'm going through. It's all about honesty and opening up. So it's not saying, oh, okay, now I'm burdening you right now. You now have to be there for everyone at all times. No, you have to fill up your own cup too. You know, actually, you have to fill up your own cup first. But if you don't have the capacity, don't shut someone else down and just tell them to be positive. You can tell that person how you're feeling and direct them to other people that could support them in this time, okay? Basically, in summary, you have to look at toxic positivity as a way of shutting people down when they're trying to express how they're feeling. And when people get shut down long enough, especially if it stemmed from teenagehood or childhood, they never learn how to express their emotions normally and naturally. They feel that something is wrong with them and that's kind of like the breeding ground for mental health problems, okay? You have to allow people to feel the way you're feeling. You should feel entitled to feel what you are feeling. And when someone's shutting you down with, it's fine, it's okay, it's whatever, get away from those people. Get Send them this podcast, for one, send them this fucking episode. And then go and talk to someone that's going to listen to you, okay? If you address it in the early stages, then you're going to go a long way with your mental health, feeling that you can reach out, crack things open, do something about it, learn about accepting what you can't change and learning about doing something when something needs to be changed. Like cutting out toxic people, you know, making big decisions in your life. There's a lot of episodes in the podcast that address those specific markers that I'm talking about, but this is an overall thing of why ultimately toxic positivity is toxic. So hopefully that was um, insight. Hopefully you got some insight into that topic. Hopefully it you know, made you think about things certain ways. If you feel that you're never heard or listened to, maybe a lot of people that you hang around are this toxic positivity vibe, like good vibes only. I'll never, you know, like all that shit. Um, yeah. And you, you, yeah, if you address all these things, that's where true happiness is going to be found through all the different emotions in life and being able to work through them with the people that are there with you, with the connections that you have. Guys, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I love you guys so much. Thank you so much for sharing um, the the podcast in all the platforms that you share it. Thank you so much for everyone's interaction on the Facebook group. I know that I'm not on that group as often as I would love to be, but the advice that everyone gives each other and the support that everyone gives each other is amazing. That Facebook group is actually a prime example of the opposite of toxic positivity. So thank you guys for that. Someone will write something with something that they're going through and people let that person know that they are heard and let that person know that they are understood and then they might share their story or they might offer advice. So that is beautiful and I love you guys for interacting on that page. It's absolutely incredible. Um, And just a shout out to a few locations around the world of where we've got some beans. We've got Blackrock in Ireland. We've got Lyon in France. Lyon, is it Lyon? Lyon, is that how you say it? Mexico City in Mexico, Osaka in Japan and Wellington in New Zealand. Hello, my beautiful beans from around the world. Love you guys so much. You keep me young. Guys, thank you so much. As always, remember, be kind to yourselves. Be kind to your brains. Don't take shit from anyone and especially don't take shit from yourself. Danke.